0: Well, how about that mark? Did you notice the mysterious, minimalist ending we have to the Easter story this morning in Mark's gospel? There's precious little to cling to in this resurrection account. Why, there's no Roman soldiers guarding the tomb. There's no folded grave cloth inside to touch. No Peter erratic and running to the tomb to double check that the women's account was true of Jesus rising. Not even the risen Jesus, mistaken for a gardener, is calling Mary by name. This many detailed account we often recall for Easter morning is a combination, a conglomeration of three Gospels Matthew and Luke, and John, who have many more details for Easter morning. But today, we have the earliest description of that resurrection incredible event. From Mark's perspective, Mark was the first one to write down the story nearly 45 years after it took place. And from Mark's perspective, there is no Jesus appearing And scholars are fairly certain that this is indeed Mark's gospel, and the intention was to be eight simple verses at the end of chapter 16, ending with this stumper. The three women went out and fled the tomb, for terror and amazement seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Did they even go ahead to Galilee after being told so by the angel in the tomb? We don't know. Did they find Jesus? What's the classic question now, if you're paying attention, that is? So, wait a minute. If the real witnesses to the resurrection froze in fear and said nothing to anyone, how is it that we know that Christ rose? Today, hmm, obviously, this gospel isn't a preacher's delight for this holiest of holy days in our faith tradition. We skeptics like to have as many facts as possible within reach, and Mark leaves us wanting. But here's the truth. I actually love Mark's version it's not like those murder mystery dinners you go to where you get a variety of clues to help solve the puzzle of who done it. And the more facts that you record, the more solid is your belief. That's often the way people go about trying to believe in God. Well, give me a list of reasons why it's a real true story. That's not the way that we will prove that Christ is risen. We have a tradition in the Lutheran church and Christian in general that when the pastor or leader says, Christ is risen, the congregation says, Christ is risen is risen. Oh, There's hope. Let's try it again. This is nine o'clock, I know, but it is casual, <clears throat> but there's a lot of force out there today. So it's not the way that we prove that Christ is risen. That's better. There's a method, you see, to Mark's unfinished ending to the gospel. Commentator uh, Richard Diebert says this, Mark's aim in this extraordinary telling is to provoke the church to complete the unfinished ending, kind of like I just did. And only sensible place for the disciples to be is behind Jesus willfully following wherever he precedes and at whatever price it requires. In other words, we will see Christ when we follow him. There's little hope of coming to a vibrant faith in the risen Lord as a distant observer with noses pressed to the glass but no skin in the game, as willing disciples, that is. Jesus is alive in Mark's telling, but he has quickly gone on ahead of his disciples. He didn't wait and cool his heels at the tomb as a risen Lord. He was back in action, calling us to seek him in the world with new understanding, new conviction fueling our faith. You've all heard stories, I know, or experienced those gripping God moments we talk about here at Upper Dublin. You've had them yourself, I know. Profound moments of assurance or wonder that God is really touching you or is alive, is invested in your own blood, sweat, and tears when you go out to help someone else, like repairing a home in Appalachia. You felt God's hand at times, I know, giving you courage to risk your own safety To defend a friend or against a bully in either grade school or at your work office. You've shared your time and energy. To transport a neighbor who's suffering from dementia or cancer. You've forgiven an annoying relative, 70 times 7, when everybody else thinks you're nuts. Such acts of self-sacrifice and unconditional love are Christ's risen presence palpable within you, alive and well, and you are his witness. California preacher, we've heard of Rick Warren, he reinforces this experience I describe by saying this, Jesus did not die on the cross so that we could live comfortable, well-adjusted lives. His purpose is far deeper. He wants us, Jesus wants us, to become like himself before he takes us to heaven. That is our greatest responsibility and our ultimate destiny. Christ is risen, disciples. And today in our gospel, the angel directs those women to gather disciples and Peter. Notice they kind of put there are disciples of which Peter was one, but they, they notice they put disciples, Mark does, and Peter. Why would that be? Some say because it is Peter who denied him three times when the going got rough. And so he's singled out as someone special to bring because he's going to find out he's, an, uh, he's forgiven and he's made new. In fact, he'll be in charge often of this whole enterprise. And then Peter is to go to Galilee with the disciples where they will see Jesus again. Galilee, you see. Why there? Well, that's where the disciples spent their training period. They were there with Jesus when he was unfolding his uh, miracles of casting out demons, of calming the storms at sea, of healing the sick and giving sight to the blind. But the disciples never understood who he really was. They were always mystified how uniquely he was redeeming the world was not exactly breaking through up here the disciples were mostly confused and it only got worse as you got closer and closer to the Jerusalem cross experience. Everything that now had been accomplished, however, in Jerusalem, crucifixion, death, and resurrection would finally give them a grasp in Galilee when they saw Jesus on just exactly what his kingdom power was going to be accomplishing in this world. And that is, He has a power that is made perfect in weakness, in humility, in ruling with love. Now, you might agree that every time you turn on the news nowadays, it's hardly a love story. Our violent, death-filled world seems stuck in a series of nonstop Good Fridays. It weighed heavy on my heart as I tried to prepare an Easter sermon And even yet, more atrocities happened this week. ISIS beheadings have become almost routine to us. Burning of people. U.S. racism on the rise, it seems, in city after city. Intentional airplanes crashed into the Alps, killing everyone on board. Extremist Shabab group in Kenya this week singling out 147 Christian Students from the Muslims laying them down and shooting them in the back of the head at night. It's easy to lose hope or want revenge. Add Iran and nu- the U.S. nuclear negotiations and the two familiar hatred recycling in the Holy Land between Israel and Palestine, between Arab and Jew trying to manage living near each other within the same holy countries. Can we ever find peace? Evangelical Lutheran Church of Jordan and the Holy Land, Bishop Yunnan, addressed these issues in an Easter sermon that he put out to us on email, and the whole world is receiving it. The question remains, says Bishop Yunnan, in the Middle East, who will roll away the stone? The stone of extremism and violence or the persecution of Christians in many ethnic religious communities. Who will roll away the stones of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia? The obstacles, obstacles are so large and we are just a few. Who will roll away the stone for us? Many believe military power and might is the answer. But when did military action ever bring an end to conflict? When did guns ever bring real and lasting peace with justice? The bishop continues on Easter. The women came to the tomb to anoint their beloved, but they found the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. The good news is that the living God has already rolled back the stone, blocking our hearts and our lives, The stone of the tomb seen today as forces of extremism, terror, and injustice have already been moved aside by the power of the resurrection. These forces hold no power over those of us who choose to cling to the power in the risen Lord. Christ is risen. And he is the power of goodness over evil, of life over death of love over hate, of light over darkness. Now is the time, my friends, to be living witnesses to the resurrection, says Bishop Yunnan. And so, fellow Easter people, are you really ready to leave here today also as living witnesses to God's new day Are you willing to go out in faith following behind Jesus and know that he is alive and making a difference through all of us? Then may our stories of hope and love and forgiveness take wing and soar First one story told, then another breaking free to combine with others and others until the power of new life and hope and Easter joy fills the air all around the world. Just like this.